Um, I want to start by saying I've got um, here a uh, bag of Malwam left over from um, some of the Christmas stuff we've done. And so anyone who wants a Malwam or two can now come and take a Malwam from me here. Anyone at all, grown-ups, don't have to be just children, grown-ups, it's here for anybody who wants, you know, yeah, all sorts of different, yeah, got an apple as well, that's good, balance it out, nice, yeah, yeah, any, anyone, anyone, yeah, 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 look, that, we're just taking, there you go, you can take two, there you go, anyone else, anyone else, anyone else, no, anyone, Malwam? Now the good news is there's still some left afterwards, so uh, by the end of this sermon, if you feel you need more sweets, and you may, there's some more here. Um, I just want to say though, that although I've done this to get rid of these, there's also a picture here. Um, the Holy Spirit is constantly looking to give us things. He's constantly looking to bless us. He's constantly looking to extend to us gifts. Uh, and I wonder sometimes how good we are at taking hold of those. Actually, I was quite surprised how many people came forward. But, but often you stand and offer something on a Sunday morning when you're preaching. Everyone just sits there thinking, well, what's the catch? Or do I have to come? Or, or I can't, I'm too shy. Um, I wonder how good we are sometimes with the Holy Spirit who day by day is looking to extend to us everything we need and more. How good are we at taking hold of what he wants to give us? Because he won't force it on us. He won't, he won't force it down your throat. He says, here, I want to give you these things. And I wonder how good we are at taking hold. And even this morning, even this morning during our meeting, even this morning during this preach, I wonder how good we are at receiving what the Holy Spirit wants to give us. So let's just have our, our hearts and our minds open. Um, just continuing a short sermon series, looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the Christmas story. We want to see how people welcomed him, were empowered and inspired by him. And you may remember two weeks ago, Houston preached, uh, got up and did a great job um, looking at the story of Mary and how this young teenage girl responded to God with simple and faithful obedience. And this morning we're going to read another beautiful story. Um, of how the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the wonders of Jesus. And so before we do that, I'm going to pray. Uh, and so, actually, I'm going to invite, if you're able to stand, just so you can stretch your legs. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. As Holy Spirit, I just ask, would you open our eyes to how awesome and wonderful Jesus is? Open our eyes to the unrivaled, unparalleled joy we have through Jesus as sons and daughters of God. Open our eyes to the hope and future that Jesus gives us. And even today we ask, Holy Spirit, would you change us forever? It's not just another meeting. It's not just another day. This day, Holy Spirit, before we leave here, would you come and would you be in us and work in our hearts and change us forever? that we might know you more and know Jesus more, we pray. Amen.
Amen. Okay, take a seat. If you've got Bibles, we're going to be in um, Luke chapter 2 today. Uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 21. Um, The words would appear on the screen. Can can I just check, um, does anybody else see the words kind of shimmering and moving? Okay, just checking. You you worry sometimes it's just yourself? Yeah, it's just like, just a sign of getting old. Your eyes are giving out. So just thought I'd check that it's not just me. Um, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 21. We're going to be dipping in and out of this story. So you'll want to leave your Bibles open as we go through. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse 21 says, Eight days later, so this is taking place um, just after the birth of Jesus. So it says, Eight days later, when the baby, Jesus, was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And we'll just pause there for a second. Now, in Israel at this time, there are lots of rules and rituals and offerings that you have to follow. Okay, life is complicated. There are lots of things you have to do for lots of reasons. And so new mums who had given birth um, under the law would be considered unclean. And so 40 days after giving birth, they had to give an offering, a purification offering, to make themselves clean again in the eyes of the law. And new babies, for all sorts of different reasons and different ways, had to come, if you live close enough to the temple in Jerusalem, and be presented with an offering as well. I mean, aren't we glad that life doesn't require those sorts of things anymore? And so Mary and Joseph travelled to Jerusalem with Jesus, arriving when he is 40 days old. And for those who can remember what life was like with a 40-day-old baby, they probably arrived sleep-deprived and tired and slightly irritable and made their way to the temple. Now, when you think of the temple, don't think of the temple as a quiet place where everyone speaks in hushed, quiet tones. Uh, A bit like if you go into an old church building or cathedral. Don't you ever notice if you go into this place like that, everyone's talking very quietly like this. Because for some reason, everyone thinks they can't just speak. That isn't what the temple was like. So don't, don't have that in your mind as they came to the temple. The temple was a place bustling with hundreds of people who were there for all sorts of different reasons. In the outer court, it was full of market traders who were selling animals to be sacrificed, full of money changers who'd be there changing your currency into temple currency so you could give offerings. Think a big, bustling marketplace. Okay, They came to the temple, and this place was crowded with people. It was loud. Lots of people coming and going, lots of families coming and going for all sorts of different reasons. And into this scene, Mary, Joseph and Jesus arrived to complete their rituals and sacrifices. A family of three in a crowd of hundreds. That's what it was. A normal family of three in a crowd of hundreds. We then carry on reading in verse 25. At this time, There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon 
He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, at this time in Israel, all the the Jews are waiting for the promised Messiah, a saviour who would come and rescue them. And they were all expecting a king, royalty, someone who's going to come and, and physically lead the nation of Israel back to physical prominence as a nation, dominating, lifting the oppression of the Romans. That's, that's the prophecy, that's what generation after generation of Jewish people are waiting for. They've been living with these promises for a long, long, long time. And here we're introduced to a guy called Simeon, and we don't know much about him other than he was a man, it says, who was faithful and obedient to God, and he was eagerly waiting for the Saviour to come. Okay, so he was eagerly expecting and waiting for this this Saviour to come and set his people free, this Saviour to come and and restore the kingdom of Israel. That's, That's all it tells us about Simeon. But we do read that it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon received a big promise from the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he'd seen the Messiah, that he wouldn't die until he'd actually seen this Saviour. Now, that's a big promise, because like, people have been waiting for hundreds of years for this promise to be fulfilled, and yet the Holy Spirit says to him, Simeon, you, you won't die until you actually see this promise, this promised man coming. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And we can't really get our heads around it, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal to a man who's waiting in a country that's been waiting for hundreds of years that he's told, you won't die until you see this promise. Now, I always like to imagine that Simeon was an old man, um, a bit like um, the person I was going to pick on isn't here today, <laughs> a bit like Don. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Don. You've got to be confident in who you can pick on. Like the white beard does it. Like, there was an elderly man, a bit, maybe a bit like Don, uh, who had faithfully and expectantly lived with the promise of God for decades. Like for decades he'd been waiting to see this promise fulfilled. Faithfully living, expectantly living. I mean, I don't know how far I'll get to in life. We never know. Maybe I've got till tomorrow. Maybe I've got another 60 years. I want to, if I get that far, still be living faithfully and expectantly. We also want to be living faithfully and expectantly with the promises of God. And so I like to imagine that Simeon was, a, was an old man. And year after year, he still had faithfully been pushing into the promises of God, knowing, putting off death, because he knew that he'd been promised he'd see the Saviour before he died. But it doesn't tell us his age. That's just what I like to imagine. Maybe Simeon was middle-aged. A bit like... Don't look at me like that, wife. (laughs) Maybe he's a middle-aged. A bit like Paul Downing. Maybe he's a middle-aged man like him. Maybe Simeon was a young man. Like my good self. All we know is that he received a big promise and that he would get to meet the long-promised Saviour. That's all we know. And this leads us to some questions we should have for ourselves. What promises have you received from God? What 
what has God said to you? What are you living with? And how are you living faithfully and expectantly in response to them? Have you let go of them? Or are you continuing to press into the Holy Spirit and to be faithful and obedient? We live in a society that means we can have everything now. I mean, Christmas shopping now is a, a joy. I can get my phone out and I can choose something and I can press a button and it arrives the next day for me. I mean, how awesome is that on every level? But it doesn't teach you patience. It doesn't teach you long-suffering. It doesn't teach you walking with something day after day after day after year after year after year still faithfully and expectantly pushing into it. Nothing about the world we live in now teaches us that sort of living. And yet here we see a man, we don't know how old he is, but for sure, day after day, week after week, he's living waiting with a big promise. Simeon was living with an awesome promise that he would see the Saviour who would bring life. And then our story continues in Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 27. It says, That day... The Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms. On the same day that Mary, Joseph and Jesus arrived in the midst of the crowded temple, the Holy Spirit also leads Simeon to that temple on the same day. This isn't a chance encounter. This is the Holy Spirit leading Simeon, not just to the temple at the right time on the right day, but also leading him to this particular family and this particular baby in the midst of all the other families and babies who would be there. Now, I know you can't really say this, and I might get in trouble, but on the whole, any 40-day-old baby that isn't your own all kind of look the same. Yes, I know they're all precious and I know they're all unique and I know they're all handcrafted by God and that's all true. But generally, if you were to get a bunch of 40-day-old babies and just lay them out on the floor and say, pick which one is Jesus, they all kind of look the same. Some have got more hair than others, but they're all, you know. No? Okay. There's nothing about the 40-day-old Jesus that physically separates him from any other baby. There's no shimmering lights coming down on him, none of that big lottery finger that points down over saying it's here, no halo over his head just hanging that identifies him as any different to any other baby that might be in the, tab- uh, in the temple at this time. Yet the Holy Spirit leads Simeon to Jesus. And think about it, I mean, Simeon is living with a promise that a king is coming and his expectation and the expectation of all of Israel is that it's going to be a warrior king, a royal king, who's going to come and lead the nation to freedom. Jesus is a little baby from a poor family. You can tell they're a poor family by actually, if you go back in the story, that the offerings they bought, they were the cheap offerings. The turtle, dove, and the pigeon. That's, that's what the people who couldn't afford more expensive offerings bought. Okay, they're not, they're not rich. 
not well off. And so, and so you can imagine Simeon, as the, as the Spirit leads him, coming, this family look very poor. This family don't look like a royal family. They don't look like a well-off family. They don't look like a family that a warrior is going to emerge from. Are you sure this is the baby? And yet the Holy Spirit leads Simeon to this baby in this family, in the midst of hundreds of people. And there's a lesson there for us because if you'll let him, the Holy Spirit will guide you in really specific ways. Like life's full of things where we have specific things we need to make choices about or learn about or do things about. And the Holy Spirit will lead you in very specific ways if you'll let him. To things like a baby in the midst of a crowd. To know which choice to make in life at the right time. To know which path to take sometimes when you're out for a walk. To know which person to talk to. To be able to pick someone out of a crowd and bless them without knowing that they're desperately in need. If you let him, the Holy Spirit will lead you in all sorts of specific ways. And so Simeon was led very specifically and he takes this baby in his arms, it says. And then the story continues. He says he takes this baby in his arms and he praised God. Saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all Israel. He is a light revealed, he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is a glory to your people, Israel. Now, this seems a bit weird. Maybe you imagine, maybe a little bit like a scene from The Lion King, when Simba is presented to everyone. Okay, he takes Jesus and he gets up to a higher place and he, he pushes it up like that and the circle of life begins and it's a music coming from the heavens. I, I, don't, I don't know that I think that's how it was. I think Simeon goes over to a family in the midst of a crowd and he takes the baby and maybe Mary fought him. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've, you know first baby. And the stranger comes and starts to take him. And so, you know, maybe the mother was like, I don't know who you are. Uh, you know, so who knows? Maybe there's a bit of grappling going on. But, but he, he ends up with the baby in his arms. And, and I don't know that he then went and found a high place and pronounced to all the crowd. Maybe he just held the baby in his arms and started prophesying. And just Mary and Joseph got to hear. Doesn't say anywhere that a big crowd gathered around and everyone pushed in. Maybe it was just... Just Simeon and Mary and Joseph in the midst of a crowd as he began to prophesy. What's actually happening here is a really beautiful thing as the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of Simeon to see beyond the baby in his arms and behold the awesome and life-giving saviour that has arrived. What does Simeon see as he sees this baby? What has he had his eyes open to as he holds this baby? A saviour who's going to bring life to a dead world. Who's going to be light in the darkness. Who is going to bring comfort to the morning. Who's going to bring justice to the oppressed. Who is going to bring hope to the hopeless and joy to the joyless and peace in the storm. I, I don't know what Simeon saw, but somehow as he held this baby in his arms, his eyes were open to see more than a baby. His eyes were open to see hope for the future. His eyes were hoping to see life that was going to come and change everything. A saviour who was going to set people free from guilt and shame and extend forgiveness and love and acceptance. 
a saviour who is going to make it possible for us to come to the God we've been created to know and have relationship with. I don't know what Simeon saw, but he saw something more than just a little baby boy. His eyes were open with wonder to look at this baby and see beautiful, life-giving hope for the future. And it says it moved him to praise and worship and celebration. What moves you to praise Jesus? What moves you to praise him? I mean, more than just on a Sunday morning when we come and it's part of of the job, isn't it? We come on a Sunday, we praise and worship. What moves you? What in your heart moves you to praise Jesus? When you see things or hear things or he says something to you. What moves you to praise and celebration? So when you saw this baby and the Holy Spirit opened his eyes, and praise and celebration came out of his mouth. What does the same for us? How is the Holy Spirit opening your eyes in a way that moves you to praise and to celebration? I wonder maybe if at this Christmas time we need to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes again to behold with great joy, Jesus, the life-giving Saviour. I wonder if day by day, actually, that's something the Holy Spirit wants to do for us as he walks with us, bring us revelation again of how awesome Jesus is. Open our eyes again in a way that moves us to praise and worship, not just on Sundays and not just at Christian festivals, but day by day, I wonder if the Holy Spirit wants to do that in us and bring us a revelation of Jesus so that day by day we might be moved to praise and worship and wonder. And if my life is anything like your life, probably day by day, that isn't always what happens. Days get busy, life gets busy, Jesus gets pushed to the back. Even actually at Christmas time, it's bizarre the very season where we, we celebrate Jesus coming is so often the very season where by the time we get to Christmas, we're just sick of the whole thing. The year's coming to an end, we're tired, we're waiting for our break and so celebrating Jesus somehow gets relegated to the back. Even less than the rest of the year sometimes. We've done the carol service, we've done these things and now it's time just to stop. And rather than Jesus being at the forefront and being moved to praise and worship, he gets relegated behind. Now I've got to do family and presents and food and TV and sleep and everything else that comes with this season. So easy it is for that to happen. May at Christmas, maybe just day by day, that the one who is our first love gets relegated to, he gets remembered behind everything else when we've got time. And yet day by day, the Holy Spirit wants to come to us and say, this day, every day, I want to give you a revelation of Jesus that moves you to praise and wonder and worship every single day. This story is just a few short verses, and yet it is packed with the life that the Holy Spirit wants to bring us day after day. He wants to walk with us. He wants to guide us. And he wants to point us to Jesus every day that we might love him more and more. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Ask Jess, do you want to come?
And in a moment, we're going to close by singing, Oh, come, let us adore him. But before we do that, um, I know, because I know what real life is like, I know what I said is true for all of us here. And we may have better days and worse days, and we may have days where we nail it and days where we don't, but I know generally we all still need a much greater revelation of Jesus in our lives. A much greater revelation of who he is that moves us to praise and worship today. I know it's true for all of us. No one here is exempt from that. We all know it's true. So we're all in the same boat with this, okay? Let's, there's no super Christians. Okay, we, we all need more of him. And so I know that each of us can respond to this. And each of us can ask the Holy Spirit even right now to say, you know, I do need more of you. And I do want to receive from you a greater revelation of Jesus. We, we can all be doing that. And so I'm going to do two things. I'm going to pray first for all of us, and then I'm going to give you a chance, if you particularly want to be prayed for, to come forward, and then we're going to sing. And so just where you are, just do whatever you do that helps you receive. And Holy Spirit, I, just, I thank you that, that you've been sent to help us, and, and not just on special occasions, and not just when we're really good and deserve, seem to deserve it. But every single day of our lives, you have been sent by Jesus to walk with us and to guide us and to point us to Jesus every single day. And Holy Spirit, we're sorry where we either don't make space for you and we're sorry where you're extending to us gifts and we just choose not to take them and receive them. And we just say now, would you forgive us? And just now, we just ask, this Christmas time, today and the next few days, would you give us a revelation of Jesus like we've never had in our lives that moves us to praise and wonder and worship? I mean, yeah, this season is packed with beautiful, wonderful things, but above all things, Jesus, you are beautiful, and you are wonderful, and you are life-giving, and you are life-changing, and I want to know you more, and I know that that's just still so far to go in my life. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray, help us. Please point us to Jesus. Please let us fall in love with him again and again and again as we remember who he is, what he's done, what he is doing and what he is going to do. That he is the saviour who keeps on saving, who keeps on walking with us. And in him, we have a guaranteed hope and future. We love you, Jesus. You are beautiful. We love you, Jesus. And we say, would you be greatly praised? And would our lives be lived as a, in a way that brings you glory and shows how beautiful and wonderful you are? And that probably means there are loads of things in my life I can think of right now that probably need to change. And so, Jesus, I just ask forgiveness. And Holy Spirit, I ask even now, help me to begin living differently, that I might make much of Jesus where I haven't been making much of him before. I just ask Jesus, you're, just, you're so beautiful and you're worthy of all praise and wonder. And so we just say, be glorified in our lives. And maybe you're thinking now, I just need some prayer because I'm nowhere with this. Well, 
There's nothing special about coming to the front other than we would love to pray for you if you're thinking I need some help. And so I'm going to say, we're going to sing this song. If you want to come and we'll pray for you specifically, come to the front. Don't be shy. This is about being proactive. This is about taking steps of faith. This has got nothing to do with anything special at the front. It's just about not being passive in our response to God. And so if you know you want to be prayed for specifically for some stuff, come forward. We're going to sing, I come, let's adore him. I suggest we raise our voices and praise the King of Kings who is worthy of praise. wonderful Jesus you're very beautiful you're really amazing you're awesome in every way powerful caring you're loving and you're faithful you're just and you're true us and you keep pursuing us and running after us and you never let us go 
Jesus, you're everything we could think of and you're more. And we just say that we adore you. We say that you're worthy. And we ask that you would receive all glory. And we pray this Christmas time in the midst of hopefully much joy and much fun. Friends and family, we pray that you would be glorified. We pray that you would be in our midst. We pray that we were on the front foot pointing people to you, praying for one another and inviting you into our midst and our lives, asking you to come and bless and be present. That as we go through Christmas and step into a new year, we say, Jesus, that you would come and be in our midst now, preparing us for 2020 and all that you've got for us next year and that that we wouldn't crawl into next year hanging on but actually we'd step in like Simeon living with faith and expectation for the promises of God that, that we would step into 2020 full of faith and expectation for all the promises you've given us in this time ahead promises of life and promises of revival Let our hearts be stirred, Jesus, for all that you have done and all that you are doing. And let us not be content to settle. Let us not, like Matt said, be content to live a life of comfort and say that within our comfort zone, Jesus, you do what you want. But outside of that, we're not interested. Let us not live that way. But let us live the life that you're calling each of us to, stepping forward boldly for you full of faith and expectation, full of the Holy Spirit as we step forward because we say you alone are worthy and you alone deserve the glory. And there are many people, as Matt prays, who don't know you, Jesus, who desperately, desperately, desperately need Jesus in their midst. And so, Jesus, we say this season, let us have loads of fun and let us have loads of joy and let us eat food and enjoy presence and enjoy time together and get good rest. But in the midst of this, I pray, raise us up and send us out so that many more people might know the joy of you, Jesus, in their lives. Amen.